Somewhere men are laughing and somewhere children shout. But there is no joy in Mudville. Mighty Casey has It's Mudville, Mudville, you never know what we're going to say whenever we get on the mic today. (laughs) Shit, I have to replace the intro song. (laughs) I know. It's not bad. How are we doing? Yeah, we're doing all right. How are you? It's doing pretty good. We have not recorded a Mudville in person in like two weeks. Yeah, that's true. I just realized... It's when been a was long the time. last time we recorded one in person? Well, we did the the twenty third was with Molly. Riveting content. Riveting. Start the week. People love the lore of Mudville. <laughs> People do love the lore of Mudville. Mud I'm not, lore. I'm not debating that. If you're not into this, you're not a true fan. Yeah, the last one that we recorded was twenty nine, uh, the seventeenth. Yeah. So that would be the last one we recorded. One that wasn't horribly depressing was like three weeks ago. It would be. October 13th, that was it, so the 12th. That's a long time ago. Well, we're back. We are back. Since (laughs) since we have recorded, I have began and recorded three episodes of a brand new podcast. (laughs) That's electric. Why don't you talk to the people about it? By the way, I'm one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I'm Brody Staub, the other host. How we doing? We're doing Uh, well. But uh, yeah, so that... That has been going pretty good. The uh, the Stout Brothers New York Sports. We have three episodes out now. We've been pretty lucky. We've got two in person total, and I was up uh, visiting family, so I got to uh, actually see my brother. We got to do a couple couple regular episodes. It was a good time, and we got a lot of good fodder because it was opening day for the NBA. We had the terrible Giants Jets game. Oh my lord, dude! We've had a lot to talk about actually on that show. So it's been uh, it's been good. There was a I got home a couple weeks ago. There was a giant beautiful jets throw and by beautiful i just mean it was it, it looked nice it actually looked like shit though because it was a jets blanket it but has a solid <laughs> fabric it was, i think it's a nice blanket it's, i got yeah, it for good, free good material but um free blanket free like eight foot jet blanket that uh i returned home after the giant jet game and it is mysteriously vanished <laughs> i wouldn't I, be surprised if you had burned it somehow <laughs> I had thrown it into the garbage as well as my Jets football jet shirt and the Jets <laughs> sticker that was on my laptop. Just um, threw the whole laptop out. Yeah, no, fuck that thing. <laughs> the Jets did somehow actually win that game. But anyway, I do have something to talk about to start off the show this week. Yeah, hit it. Now listen, I know that this is beneath me. I know that I should not devote any time to this, any energy. But... <laughs> If you are one of the fools, the Cretans, the morons, Neanderthals, the buffoons who are blaming the misgivings of their own pathetic pea-sized bladders on the three-and-a-half-hour masterworks of maestro Martin Scorsese, we here at the Mudville Podcast would like to extend to you a very sincere get-fucked. <laughs> 
The dude will not abide by your need to piss after 45 minutes of sitting down. Now, now listen. I saw Killers of the Flower Moon, and I'm not here to talk about that yet. Like we said last week, we're going to do an entire episode on that, and this is not that episode. <laughs> That's coming later in the future. Stay tuned. I will be honest. I felt the length. It's a long movie. One of the longest movies I've ever sat in a theater for. But when I went into this movie, about 90 minutes in or so, I definitely noticed. Nature, that I, had, nature was about to call. That I, I had to pee. Sure. And I held it. There were another two hours of the movie, by the end of which I was essentially seeing stars, and yet I stayed. And I watched the end of that movie, the entire thing, front to back, without getting up for a second. Because that is what you do when Martin Scorsese releases a new movie. Now, you're not In saying the that year you're... of our Lord, 2023. That is what you do. <laughs> now, you're not saying that you're a better human than the people who had to piss. Although, you are saying that you are a better person. Those were your words, not mine. <laughs> Listen. It is. Can I just say the one thing about this that bothers me more than anything? When I saw Oppenheimer, I ran out to take a piss real quick. Took 90 seconds to get there and back. And, you know, didn't feel like I missed too much. So the fact that people feel the need to then get on Twitter and, like, bitch about the fact that they're like, this is too long. I need an intermission. It's like, I don't know. That's extremely weak. <laughs> like, pull yourself together. <laughs> you know what I did after the movie? Was that? I went down to the men's room, and the line was, was out the door. Sure. So I speed walked. Maybe you could even say I did a little light jog. Sure. To a pizza establishment near the 72nd Street subway station that is kind enough to allow me to use their bathroom. You went way the hell uptown to go to this movie. Lincoln Square, baby. Yeah. There's a lot of closer theaters. Yeah, but not one that was showing it in IMAX at the exact time where I could get to it. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I unleashed an amount of piss (laughs) that would only be held in for our master, Martin Scorsese. (laughs) I am not saying that every single person has to hold in their pee for three and a half hours. If you have to go, go. That's okay. I won't blame you. You can even walk by me gently and say, excuse me, and don't trip over me or knock into me. And I will be very kind to you as you walk by. And I will not judge you for being a bad moviegoer. That's not even bad. That's like, do what you got to do. If you (laughs) need to pee, step out for a second. You go pee. It's not that big of a deal. You got to take a poop, you take a poop. It's what what it is. Do what you got to do. Try not to have to shit, because that's too much time. When you're logging onto Twitter and complaining about the length of a movie, saying that the filmmaker prioritized his art over your first viewing experience, you are not a serious person. I wouldn't be saying this, and I wouldn't be devoting any time to this if it was just one or two people. But oh my god, the number of tweets I've seen from people acting like they have been shot. Like they have been murdered because they were asked to sit in a theater for 210 minutes. During which they were allowed to get up and use the bathroom. That wasn't good enough. This is not them. a standardized test. They had to <laughs> have allowed their cake. to go. <laughs> they had to have their cake and eat it too. I think you can use the bathroom during standardized tests, by you, the way. You can't. Really? Yeah. Trust me, I had to proctor them. 
AP exams especially, they are certain... Uh, Damn. When I proctored them, it was like in the book. It was like you are not allowed to get up. You can't go to the bathroom. If you have an emergency and, you know, you have to have... You have to be escorted to and from the restroom. Interesting. <laughs> it's a whole deal. Anyway, I don't want to devote too much time to these fools. So let me say this. Either you care enough about what you're watching to either bite the bullet and go pee or to hold your bladder in once every four years or you don't care and it's not as important to you and you should stay out of the conversation. Also, if you care that much and you know you're going to be sitting in a theater for close to three hours, you know what you could do is not get a fucking gargantuan drink and piss before you go in and you'll probably be fine. You could probably time it, and it'd probably be all right. I think you'd be fine. Like, this seems like a very solvable problem. (laughs) Although I will say that the theaters who decided to show it with an intermission and then got, like, in trouble for that, I, like... Oh, my God. I get get why they're getting in trouble for that, but at the same time, it's like, that's, like, a little... I disagree because... It's a little weak (laughs) to then, like, punish theaters who wanted to actually do that, but... Why can't you have a showing also with and without an intermission if that's something that the people well, that's like okay. proved that they cared about it or something like if you wanted to like have, if more people would go see it because of that or something like have the option I guess yeah I mean it it but it if you raised up, a bitch fit on Twitter because you had to hold in your piss for too long I I'm I'm anti yes um, it was a question of should movie theaters be allowed to alter the films that they're showing. Alter but, and like have a I don't know it's a screening like you can you should be able to do what you want to do for your own screening I, I think but like not not in a way that changes like like accessibility stuff like there are showings that have closed captions well accessibility is a different question like if like if you have a bladder infection and you like go into every movie and you have to go pee like you're probably just used to that at this point and you're not complaining about that during a specifically long movie like. If you're somebody who loves long movies, but you genuinely have to pee or get out for like a medical concern or something, like I'm certainly not talking to you here. Uh, it's it's just the fools that clogging my my brain. <laughs> Fair enough. I, it's a shame that you've got rogue peers on the brain. There are so many better things that you could fill your mind with, but <laughs> I understand how that'll stick in your craw for a little bit. Well, I gotta tell you something, though. I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to hold it much longer. What? I, I've been in here for so long. Don't I, you I, do it, D. Well, don't you do it. The problem is it's already happening. What? I'm peeing on your shoulder right now, but I don't need to. I'm sorry. Uh, you warm. bitch, when what? we get out of here, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, you got the juice, you got the fire, you got the juice, got the fire, got the hot desire. I get, whoa. I got the apple juice, I got the apple sauce, I got the sauce gardener, I got the master gardener, I got the... Brett Gardner? Brett Gardner. He brought the fire. I got the Brett Favre. No, fuck Brett Favre. I don't want that. <laughs> well, Brody, we're here. We've made it. It's the World Series. It is the World Series. Game three is currently happening. We, uh... That's game... A- I bet that got picked up. I'm interested to see at the end. We're going to check. And if it did, maybe you'll hear this dog. And if it didn't, then you're not going to hear any of this. I'd like to have the dog on as a guest. I (laughs) think we could ask him some interesting questions. What do you think of George Bush's war crimes? And do you think that he should still be allowed in the national spotlight? Purina or... uh, Kibble. Kibble bits. Is that a brand? I don't know. Is Kibble... Actually, is Kibble like a Kleenex type deal? 
Or is it like a is it like a t- is kibble the tissue or the Kleenex? Kibble is the tissue, and the brand is Purina or Meow other ones that are not <laughs> known to chow. me at this moment because I do not own a dog. The farmer's dog. They they sponsor everything now. <laughs> that's that's one of them. I know that much. Should we just not talk about the World Series and just talk about our what we would feed our theoretical pets? <laughs> I think that would be great content for this week. I think it would. World Series week on, on Mudville. We're just like, what kind of dog should we get? I think I'm thinking Fancy Feast this mm. week. Uh, the turkey and gravy. Yeah. Uh, Snowball seemed to really respond to that. Um, and uh, more energy. Also, if you're going to talk about it, I feel like you have to have like NPR voice. <laughs> Dude, I want to get a couple cats. Name them after movie directors. That's funny. Orson. That like it depends on how old you are because that could be really sad or it's funny. Like if you're young, it's funny, and then if you're really old and alone, then it's like really sad. <laughs> but that would also be kind of cute if you were old. Like no, it, it depends it just... on how old. Like sixties, eighty, eh. thumbs up. Yeah, two thumbs okay, up. Fair enough. You know. Two thumbs up, like that. Two thumbs up. Yeah. I'm into two thumbs up. Yeah. So anyway, uh, World Series Game 1. Speaking of two thumbs began. up. Oh, my. What an exciting game. World World Series Game 1. Well, oh, well the game itself was amazing. But, but yeah, uh, well, it's kinda, it was kind of secondary. What? Let's, let's bring in the opening here. Because in the beginning of the game, we were treated to the only person that would piss off everybody except specifically the people that were involved in this World Series, which is people in Texas and Diamondbacks fans. Derek Jeter. Um, and Derek Jeter. But, <laughs> uh, no. George W. Bush got the honor of throwing out the ceremonial first pitch of the World Series. Did a shit job at it, I might add. Um, yeah, he bounced it. He bounced it. He biffed it. But it was a little... Uh, he didn't have the juice. It, no juice. But it was kind of odd seeing him again like in the national spotlight because like we've all moved on and like everybody is just accepted that he was terrible and like you know did did some war crimes and if this was a more just society he'd be hanged at the hague but um here he is <laughs> like old and fat and bring him out and, like you know being like <laughs> it's hey, w i got a ball i'm gonna throw it <laughs> like, yeah truly like, like what, what he, can you what? even say about george w bush throwing out the first pitch at game one of the World Series. When, in 2023. In 2023, when the Arizona Diamondbacks are coming out of the National League and there's recent turmoil. In the Middle and East. The Americans are gleefully launching themselves into and throwing money at. Yeah. Um, we too love many parallels. ourselves in the middle. Very, very, yeah. Well, we, we love being in the middle. We're basically Malcolm. But <laughs> um, I'm... Yeah, I mean, there are, like, too many obvious parallels to to even point out. It's, like, one of those things where the, the sort of horrific irony that it's even happening, like, overwhelms what you're even seeing. Like, you can't even take in the fact that Derek Jeter is leading out George Bush and yeah. that entire stadium is cheering and chanting USA as he comes out and throws a shitty pitch. You can't even take that in because... The irony of it is so obscene. Yeah. You it almost couldn't really believe what I was seeing, you know? I mean, we talked about this a while ago, but, like, the Rangers, they were the only team that didn't do a pride night because it was too political for them. And then Ian Kinsler comes out game five to throw the first pitch wearing a Team Israel jersey. Now we have George W. Bush coming out 
and like everybody chanting USA and yeah, shit. Where's like, the where's the shut up and dribble guys? Yeah, where's the like apolitical shit? Stick now? to sports. You be gay. When it's not the politics that you like, then it's politics. Time of global turmoil, revenge at war crimes feeling inevitable. Mirroring here, here that comes to the George present. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just fucked vibes. Oh, and Tom Brady is not in the NFL. Wow. That's, that was the last <laughs> time Tom Brady wasn't in the NFL. That's true. Okay. So there you go. Well, you want to talk about the actual game? Yeah, why not? It was a little bit more fun All right, <laughs> than George Bush. It. But game one was nuts. Game and one, it, man. There was a report today that it had like the record lowest ratings of any World Series game one, which is such a shame because it was an awesome shit. game. Fuck no, I don't ratings. care either. Nobody cares about ratings. But it's just like why, people are just dumb because they missed out on an awesome baseball game. Ratings are for the birds, baby. Is that a saying? It is now. <laughs> okay. Ratings are for the birds. You heard it here first. Ratings are for the birds. But game game one, starts. Man. Diamondbacks do not score off of Nathan Ovaldi in the first. Nasty Nate. The Rangers get to Zach Gallen early. Rookie Evan Carter is just laughably good. He's been on base like 95% of the time. He's been up all postseason. He drove in Corey Seager with an RBI double, and then Adolis knocked in Carter to make it 2-0 in the first. Top of the third, Corbin Carroll smacks a hit with a couple men on base. Leody Tavares severely misplays it. Corbin Carroll, basically the worst guy you can possibly do that to while he's <laughs> on the base paths. Carroll gets all the way to third. Two-run score. Tie game. Then Carroll scores on a fielder's choice, and it's 3-2 to two, Arizona. Bottom of the inning, Rangers load the bases against Gallen. Mitch Garver draws a walk to drive in a run, but that's all they get. Tied at three. Heading into the fourth, where Tommy Pham, to lead off the inning, smacks a home run to left, his third of the postseason. Diamondbacks add another run in the fifth on an RBI double from Cattell Marte. Avaldi comes out of the game, and that is it for the D-backs offense. They do not score for the rest of the game because the Rangers' bullpen is just absolute lights. Dane Dunning and Cody Bradford with an inning each. John Gray comes in, gets five outs, four of them strikeouts. Will Smith comes in for two batters. And then the man himself, Jose LeClerc, seriously one of the big reasons that they're even alive here in the postseason. Two scoreless innings without a base runner allowed to end the game. Two strikeouts. And if that all adds up to more than nine innings, you'll hear why in a second. (laughs) The Rangers don't score either until the bottom of the ninth when the top of their order needs two runs to tie, and they get it. When Paul Seawald throws a first-pitch high fastball to Corey Seager, gave a cookie to the cookie monster, as Big Poppy put it. (laughs) Is Uh, that really what he said? Yeah. It's really funny. He said, you pitch Tavares, like, you basically walk him, and then you give a cookie to the cookie monster. (laughs) Fastball gets absolutely walloped. Corey Seager starts screaming on contact. Globe life goes 
good absolutely stuff. nuts. That was some real good stuff. Rangers tie the game at five. Just an absolutely electric moment. Maybe the best moment of the 2023 season. I don't know about you, but I'm just rooting for like good baseball in this World Series. Like I'm kind of pulling for the Diamondbacks, but it's uh, I just want good games. And that was like a fucking heroin shot. That was like, oh my god! <laughs> like, let's go! Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, game goes into extras. There's no Ghost Runner, no Manfred Man, which brought a tear to my eye. It was Speaking so beautiful. of just being satisfying. Ugh. Neither team scores in the 10th. D-backs come up empty in the top of the 11th, and then Miguel Castro comes into the game. Adelise Garcia up to the plate, and I think most of you know what happened next. Walk-off home run. The legend continues. One of the most exciting World Series games in years. And the haters, once again, were in the mud. Talking about how this was going to be a terrible World Series. It was between two very mediocre teams. And then they came out and they put on one of the most exciting baseball games in like a decade? Probably. Yeah. Excluding the WBC. Yeah, argue well. well uh, twenty sixteen. I said World one of. Too. Yeah, one of. The yeah. twenty sixteen World Series was good stuff. Too. One of them. Yeah, twenty sixteen World Series was amazing. Twenty seventeen ALCS was great. Was incredible. Yeah. Yep. There've been a lot of really good games. A lot of really good series, but this one got off to a really good start right away. Absolutely. Um, Did you hear Adolis what Garcia? Uh, man, I just want to just shout that guy out because holy crap, he's not only is he amazing, he's a showman. And that's like you got to appreciate that when you get it. He's the fireman. It's it's unbelievable. It's I mean, crazy. They got him for cheap a few years ago, traded for pennies basically, and then oh man, did they really turn him into just an all? Ugh, God, he's he's taken over. He's if they win, he is guaranteed to be postseason. Well, I mean, Corey mm, Seager, I maybe guess not guaranteed, Corey but Seager's he's been real good. He's too. got a good case for it. Yeah, I I think it would definitely be him. Truly unbelievable. Did you hear what? Uh, Kevin Burkhart said as he was rounding the bases. No. He said, uh, Adolis Garcia defected from Cuba. Of course he would hit the home run off of Castro. Yeah. Come on. Now you can't hear it, but I rolled my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Brody, he, he did roll his eyes. I can attest to it. Yeah. Game one starts with a first pitch from George W. Bush and ends with a condemnation of a dead communist. USA, baby. And I'm proud to be an American. Rangers go up one to nothing in the series. They win game one, six to five. Game two was the Merrill Kelly show. Brody, I know you missed this game. I did so miss game two. The only thing I know you. about it is that I saw a tweet that said, like, they're not going down without a fight. And it was a Mitch Garver homer when they were down like two nothing and he made it two one or something. Mm-hmm. And then it got further out of hand. That much I know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Would, Walk was, me through it. This was a much less exciting game, unless you're a real pitching nerd. Jordan Montgomery pitching very well for Texas, despite not a single strikeout in six innings. That's Monty, baby. <laughs> yeah. And then there was Merrill with the best start of his life in the biggest possible moment. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, pinpoint command. Dotting corners all night. He, he did give up one seven run. Innings. Yeah, he did Man. give up one run. Mitch Garver deposited one in the left field seats. 
Uh, it was no fault of Kelly's. It was just a really good pitch. It was just better hitting. Uh, on the offensive side for Arizona, Gabriel Moreno with a solo home run in the fourth. Tommy Pham and Lourdes Gurriel stringing something together for another run. That and the Mitch Garver bomb, only that was the only scoring through six innings, two to one. And then the Texas bullpen that looked oh so good in game one crumbled <laughs> in game two. Just stepped out of the movie to go take a whiz. Heaney, Dunning, and Chris Stratton survive barely. But Martin Perez got left holding the bag. Five hits, two walks, four earned runs to end the game. Arizona runs away with it with a 9-1 to victory in Game 2. As the end of sports broadcaster recap mode, Brody, what have you thought about this series so far? And how are you feeling as we record live during game three in which the texas rangers have a three to nothing lead and are threatening to extend that here in the top of the six so first off just on what's going on right now miguel castro should not be anywhere near these games <laughs> this is not looking good gave up the home to Dolis garcia in the first game right now he's probably about to give up some runs here in game three so let's maybe not do with the uh the reclamation project in uh, the World Series. Not a great idea when you've got better guys back there. Um, as far as the series so far, this has been... It's. It, I am surprised at how much I've realized that, like, man, there are names here. Like, the matchups are really fun. Like, there is... You know, you have to have, you know, a lot of talented players to get this far, obviously. But, like, you have... Brandon fought a rookie having like a pretty good start in the World Series. That's really fun. You have every now and then you look up and it's like, I don't know, you get a Corbin Carroll against Max Scherzer to open the game. That's awesome. Like, you know, it's just there's there's good stuff, fun stuff happening. And if you know who is on these teams, like you've paid attention enough to baseball to know like that the Diamondbacks do have a lot of really good young talent. And, you know, you recognize who they are and some good veterans like Tommy Pham, Christian Walker. Etc. You know, Catel Marte. Catel Marte is another CS good example. MVP. Yeah, um, yeah, man. There's top like, to bottom. They got a really good lineup. Yeah, they do. And I mean, obviously, they can put up runs. I, you know, the Rangers have all of these stars in their batting order, and obviously deserve the uh, like the fear that they instill in their <laughs> their opponents. But um, I don't know, man. The Diamondbacks are not getting any credit for getting this far, I feel like, which is not really fair. Like, they came out of a very, very difficult National League um, and got by the Dodgers and the freaking Phillies, man. That's, like, the Brewers, too. But they got by the Dodgers and the Phillies, man. <laughs> like, that's not an easy feat. Um, they had been yeah. using the phrase house money as far back as the NLDS sure. even started. So, like... That should just go to show like how nobody expected them to be here. Like I think they had a negative run differential in the regular season. Like their playoff appearance, of course, was only because like the Mets and Padres and Cardinals all were severely underwhelming, like which allowed them to be contenders sooner than they expected. Sure. And they just they caught heat, man, and they're a really good team. And you know what they remind me of? Not to cut you off, but yeah, this just popped into my head, and there's a reason that this is really good for baseball. This team really reminds me of the 2017, like 2016-17 Astros, 
in the best possible way, not the cheating stuff, <laughs> just that they were a really young, talented team that felt like they're going to be sticking around for a while. And they, right now, like the Astros, we, we saw what they did, and I don't think that the Diamondbacks are going to keep every single piece together as long as the Astros did to make those runs. That being said, they have gone to seven straight ALCSs. And if you know you end up with some real experience here on this Diamondbacks team with very young guys who are under control for a long time, you could be seeing some you know some issues and they have really good young pitching too that's also cost controlled for a while so i mean the core of like carol we'll say Marte and kelly gallon and brandon fought that's five guys right there that you really oh and gab gab moreno, gab like, moreno. that's a lot of Got really good talent christian walker's like in his mid-30s i think but he probably has got a couple more years tommy fam is way too old um <laughs> Longoria is on his way out. Alec Thomas too is really young and he's had some big moments. But yeah, he's hit like three or four home runs in this series. Yeah. Some of them have been really, really big. And he's not a big home run hitter in the regular season, so that's kind of fun to see. So there's seriously, they have um a lot of upside here. And this is like the worst thing that happens is, you know, they go home and they say, Hey man, we weren't even supposed to freaking be there. So exactly. good for us. We come out of that like they, this is a win win for Diamondbacks fans and the players themselves. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, something that, that, that I was going to say, like my favorite part of this series is easily, uh, the rookies on, on both sides. Like yeah. you mentioned, Brandon fought pitch tonight. He did pretty well. He gave up three runs through like five and two thirds. I guarantee Tori Lovello would have taken that going into the game. Oh yeah. Uh, they just haven't gotten him any run support. Corbin Carroll, of course, absolutely electric. By the way, runs given up in the world series like that are expected that's yeah, of not course. It, this is not yeah, a regular yeah, yeah. season start where you're like three runs is like no 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 no, no. that's gonna happen that, like, that was a very very successful start for yeah. for brandon fought tonight um corbin carroll locked to win rookie of the year um super exciting player one of the most exciting rookies that we've seen in a, a very long time and then gabriel moreno who's basically gotten them here with with his defense and with some very clutch home runs. That trade they made with <laughs> the Blue Jays to get Gab Moreno and, and Lourdes Gurriel, man, that's really, really good for them right now. And, like, I, I can understand why Toronto made that trade. Like we had a they, whole episode about it. Yeah, they had an influx of uh, catchers. But, yeah, I mean, really, really nice moves from from Arizona, both by the general manager and by you know pitching coach brent strom deserves an ultimate shout out here for what he was able to do with merrill kelly i mean my god like this guy who was pitching in the kbo in 2017 he comes along and he makes the best start of his life like no exaggeration how old is merrill kelly he's 33 what yeah oh my god i thought he was in his like mid-20s no whoa it's wild yeah holy crap brent strom figured out how to get that late movement yeah. like, to work on whatever he had going and it was insane how he was dotting dotting these uh corners in, in game two yeah man you really got to shout out a lot of different levels of this this organization i mean they've they've drafted super well in recent years like they're not even playing jordan lawler in this series which i haven't heard anybody talking about like one of the top five prospects in the game they're going to be adding him to this lineup they got drew jones they drafted tommy oh my Troy god drew this year. jones 
They've got they've got they, so much. They might want to trade some of these guys. Actually, now that I think about it, because they could get a lot back for like an Alec Thomas after this, and they don't really need him. Davison De Los Santos coming up to play third. On. They drafted uh, Gino Groover. Um, really? Wait, yeah. They've please got, tell me that's a pitcher. No, it's a third baseman. That's it's, such it's a waste. Name, his name is actually even cooler. It's Lou James Groover. Nick and I talked about him back on our MLB draft episode. But yeah, yeah he, he went to the D-backs. He's a super exciting prospect. Like, it's re- it's it's really all all coming together for them. Like, I know you you mentioned like you said the worst thing that happens is they go home saying, "Okay, we weren't really supposed to be here. We we feel very good about the future." I remember as an uh, Oklahoma City Thunder <laughs> fan feeling that way in 2012. And of course, we know how Whoops. that went. But I'm yeah. not going to say that that's going to happen to Arizona. Um, I think that they're really the um, Orioles of the West, and I am very excited to see where they go from here. But also on the other side, we have Josh Young and Evan Carter, Evan Carter yeah. who are rookies who have been tearing it up. I Evan Carter's I've... been putting on a freaking show. He's awesome. Next year is his Rookie He's of the Year campaign. not even eligible like, for he his could win a ring. Status. He could win postseason. He's, he's not going to, but I mean, he could win a without... ring before his rookie season. Yeah. yeah, he could win a ring before his. And his he could be season. in contention for the World Series MVP. Like, well, maybe not, but like he needs to step it up a little yeah. if he wants that. And without win. like God tier performances from from Garcia there and too. and Seager. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Evan Carter would be in the ooh whoa right through the glove or a hole in the mid on that Marcus one. Senior. Oh, brother! How much you want? see yikes Cattell Marte gets on again yeah man the, these teams both have a really good mix of veteran and young talent which again that's how you get here so you need good stars and you need good cost control guys around the edges that's how you win in baseball so but, I've mentioned so many times yeah. the postseason this Rangers lineup drafted no exaggeration the best prospect the best offensive prospect in the game this year and Wyatt Langford and he's going to be with the team as soon as next year so Great. if they're the defending champions adding Wyatt Langford and Evan Carter in rookie seasons going into 2024 Man. and then those two players net them two additional firsts oh my god yeah, <laughs> the Rangers are kind of set up for a little bit. The only thing that now they have to hope is that Corey Seager doesn't get old quick. But I don't think they have to really worry about that. If they win this, <laughs> they would. They they don't even care. It's no, just like it's the same thing that people have been talking about with like Stanton for years. It's like if they had won when they first got him, no one would ever criticize him because he you won. It worked. That's why CC is like you know at the end of that contract, nobody gave a shit. He won. Doesn't doesn't matter. And like, like dude, think of how poetic it would be for. Jacob deGrom, who spent years and years putting up these insane individual performances, only right. to never get any support from his team. <laughs> if he were to, to like blow out his arm <laughs> in like April, not pitch the rest of the year, and then win a World Series ring, Man. that would be good pretty for poetic. Jake DeGrom. Come on, like that I'm, that'd be really cool. I'm not a huge fan of deGrom, but that would be. Uh, I'm just not cool. a huge fan of the Mets. It's yeah, me neither. But like Degrom specifically, I don't. I nothing rubs me the wrong way than guys who do a lot for like their team and their city, who on their way out just like you know, just leave. And like Degrom kind of made up for it at the end, but I don't remember him really being like 
you know, there was no like, oh, I really loved my time here or whatever. Nothing like that. I think he took an ad out in the paper like a week later, but everyone was like, yeah, fuck you. You already, you don't give a shit. But that, that always rubs me the wrong way. But that's very much beside the point because there is a lot of, uh, there's, there's some poetry in, in uh, DeGrom being carried to a World Series ring and, you know, being able to celebrate with them after, you know, doing everything by himself, as you said, for so long. <laughs> you know, the boys coming through for him once. <laughs> kind of nice. It is really nice. Although I, I will say... One I, hand washes the other. The thing that I do really like about DeGrom is back when they would win games like one nothing, like the Mets would win a DeGrom start one to nothing, and he would have the RBI. Yes. Like, that was that awesome. That was amazing. Like, stuff like that was crazy. He rakes. People forget like, that. He's I a forgot great that. hitter. He's a yeah. great hitter. Garrett yeah. Cole was a great hitter, too. Mm-hmm. So was Madison Bumgarner. Like, there's a lot of really good hitters, you know, from... One uh, of them gets a ring. It's either DeGrom or Bumgarner. That's... Oh my God! Does he get a ring? From yes. This year? Well, wait. Does he, pitched he though? Three games in April. No, yes. I know that. He, but is everyone there a who cut plays, off? You know, anybody who play, he gets a you ring. Get one game, yes. you get a ring. He pitched three That's games crazy. in April. He had a so ten ERA. Mad Bum will get another ring, and 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 Bruce Bochy will have lost out on that ring that Madison Bumgarner gets, which is really funny. Yeah, man. Kind of a shame he didn't make it this far. That would have been kind of fun to see old man Mad Bum in the World Series against Bruce Bochy. I saw that it, that before game seven. Although, hot take, the Diamondbacks don't get this far if Mad Bum is on this team. Oh, my God, no. If <laughs> Dude, if, if Mad Bum was on that team, they'd be in last. Yeah. Funniest thing that I saw was before game seven, Bochy said that Madison Bumgardner texted him, do you need me to pitch against the Astros? Oh and it's like, dude... No, you, you were on a team you that got, is now in the World Series. You got this cut, year. Dude. You got cut like, six months ago. Like, how are you going to joke about that with the Rangers manager? That's while way you're funnier. On the if it's like payroll. If it was like Tim Lincecum, that's funny. But oh, God, it's yeah. Mad Bum. It's sad. Like, exactly. Because he meant it. You know, he meant it. He wants to still pitch. Oh yeah, he absolutely wants to still pitch. He went into this year expecting to not have to change a thing and just still be a the dominant pitcher he was when he was 26 nope, and you're that's 38. not gonna happen yeah he's um, only he's like 34 too that's the crazy no, he's part. Not. yeah he's only he 34 34 yeah he was that young he's already this fried he was so young he was like 26 when he did that insane world series performance was that 2014 or 2012 2014 okay never mind i thought that was like then it would have made him like 22 yeah, but no, still no, that's crazy young 24 yeah, really Very wild. Young. but um yeah man this has been uh it's been fun the storylines are interesting the talent is great like it, there's young and old old stars new guys on the way it's it's got everything you want except for big market teams <laughs> we got something for everybody yeah. yeah and it also has the ugliest stadium matchup i think that i can remember in recent memory which is just unfortunate uh i hate both of these stadiums i kind of like chase field i it's just so bland. Like, and I think it's just that Arizona in general, the vibe there irks me. Yeah. Like, I hate the Cardinals in their stadium in the in the NFL, and like, I you know, it's just like there's there's something about the vibe of the stadiums down there that just annoy me. And maybe it's, it's just that it's a part of the country that I've never spent really any time. In. <laughs> Feels and very foreign to me, but it's uh, Arizona. Not, not Arizona has like the vibes of real estate development it really does that's a very good way to put it it's like uh it feels like boca raton but as a state 
Yeah. <laughs> I Gross. think that sums it up. Yeah. I've been in Brian De Palma mode this week. <laughs> Switching gears. To wrap up October. I didn't watch too many horror movies this month. I didn't get particularly into the spooky mindset. I did do my first viewing of Phantom of the Paradise this week, which immediately became an all-timer for me. I think the first like five to ten minutes of that movie probably rivals anything that I've seen either De Palma do, maybe with the exception of like Carlito's Way, that chase scene kind of at the end, or just any first ten minutes like of any movie really. Um, I was cooking dinner and you showed me the first few minutes of that, and I was it's it's got juice. It's got something. <laughs> it's yeah, got man. juice. Going from that narration of. This is the tale of the man who wrote it, the girl who sang it, and the monster who stole it. Straight into that 50s nostalgia performance by a band called the Juicy Fruits. Like, that juxtaposition just it's good stuff. delighted me. Uh, De Palma really... He knows how to shoot everything, so of course he knows how to shoot, like, a musical performance. Like, it's just, it gets you straight into the mood right off the bat. The whole movie is this glam rock musical uh based on both the phantom of the opera and faust it's really something special songs by paul williams uh, who also stars as the monster who stole it the producer who takes winslow leach's music and turns it into corporate garbage also a show-stealing performance from jessica harper as phoenix the the young singer who winslow writes his musical for Uh, She has a scene, her audition scene is certainly one of the high points of the movie. This movie just felt very campy and it like hit for me in a way where a lot of like glam rock musical stuff really doesn't like, I don't know, this might be my Rocky horror. There's one sequence where De Palma is just like cooking so hard. He does the split screen camera work like in basically every movie but in this one he puts two long swooping shots next to each other on screen as a way of like covering the entire space of a scene and it's so fucking sick and then he adds a third shot my jaw just dropped the storyline of the movie is like so upsetting and so fucked up but it's like shot in such a cartoonish and like showy and just glamorized way that it's like 
it's really funny and just also like it's so easy to just like see it as a bunch of people like fucking around with each other and it's like it, it's it's very difficult to like put yourself into the shoes of the main character <laughs> which is kind of a relief seeing as how much terrible stuff happens to him over the course of the movie <laughs> sure um but yeah really really good five star movie for me phantom of the paradise uh, I also rewatched Carrie, which I had really liked the first time I saw it, maybe like five years ago or so now. But I like really, really connected with it this time around. Um, my obvious film take of the week is that Sissy Spacek is unbelievably good in this role, like especially in the iconic horror scenes that that everybody knows but also with so much of the like reclusive bullied sheltered schoolgirl stuff like in the first act when she's being tormented by basically everybody in her life and then there's such a strong shift when she starts to break out of that shell and the range of that performance the way that she's able to make you see the movie through her eyes like both sissy spacek and brian de palma like it's really incredible the infamous prom scene like even before they go up on stage something that i really found myself wondering was about the character of tommy the long-haired bro that takes her to prom on a dare from one of the girls um like when they're talking one-on-one Tommy and Carrie in those scenes like at the table and when they're slow dancing like it doesn't feel like he's pranking her it just feels like a regular conversation that he's enjoying even and I'm not quite sure if that's genuine of course my initial thought is that it's part of the act but it reaches the point where it's like either he genuinely had some sort of connection with her or he's partaking in like a level of emotional warfare that quite frankly i wouldn't buy that character to be capable of and his reaction when they like dump the pig blood on her head spoilers for carrie a 50 year old movie it's one of disgust at least before the bucket hits him on the head and neither knocks him out or just kills him entirely <laughs> like he was obviously in on the prank from the beginning. Like we see that in three or four different scenes, but I think that the movie obscures exactly how much of the plan he was aware of and to what extent he was just sort of going along with the ride, not really knowing what was going to happen. I mean, I I think that it would be a fascinating choice on De Palma's part to have a real connection b- between those two. That was just something that I really found myself thinking about a lot this time around. Supporting performances in this movie are, of course, so great as well. Nancy Allen is really great as the, like, bitch (laughs) that you hate. (laughs) Piper Laurie of Twin Peaks fame, of course, as Carrie's psycho religious mother. Really good horror movie if you want to sneak that one in. If you forgot about... Carrie, if you haven't seen it, or if it's just been too long, maybe you get that one in before Halloween or not. You can watch it year round. It's always time for Brian De Palma in my eyes. Oh, Julianne Moore. That is not 
Nope, that's the remake. This is the remake. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've never seen either the original or the remake, but um, I did know that like that happens at the end because there was a, a 30 Rock episode where they try to carry Liz Lemon, and I thought when I was a kid and I didn't know what they meant, I thought like carrying, like, like C-A-R, they were gonna pick her like up. Car- <laughs> no, well, yes. But, like, the way that they say it in the episode, they're like, we're going to carry Liz Lemon or something. And then I was like, what? Is it, like, one of those old school pranks? Like, where, you know, it's like, like, my dad told me a story of, like, there was something called pennying someone in when he was in college, which is, like, you put pennies in the door jam of a dorm so that you can't open the door. And I thought it was, like, one of those types of things. Sure. It's just, like... Like, okay, and then they dumped blood on her, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what was that? <laughs> I was, like, very confused. Right um, over your head. But, yeah, very much so. But um, Great but movie. Anyway, point Banger. being, I did know that that was the thing that happens in it. So that's, um, yeah, brutal. Check it out, man. It's a really, really great movie. Yeah. That's what I watched this week. Uh, I'm also super excited to watch a couple of exciting new releases this week. I think I want to go back for uh, round two of Killers of the Flower Moon, and maybe I'll finally feel prepared to start writing about it so that we can talk about it. (laughs) Do a real episode. Um, You and I are both going to go see the holdovers later in the week to prepare for an alexander Payne episode that we've got coming up this weekend with a very special guest that i'm super excited about uh and i want to go see the new david fincher movie the killer uh oh that looked good i'm so excited that looks really good i've I've been hearing who's the the guy in that again michael fassbender that's that's right i fucking love michael fassbender yeah he's, he's a good actor there are 12 smith's songs in that in that movie <laughs> even if it's not a very good movie at least you can just kind of show up and call it a smith's concert <laughs> it's true is michael fassbender gonna be killing nazis in this movie Do we no know? Unfortunately. That's a shame. i wish man that'd be nice he's at his best when he's killing nazis yeah that's okay i mean but who's not he he's in two of the best killing nazi scenes in film history in very different movies glorious <laughs> what's the other one in uh um x-men first class <laughs> i'm serious have you ever seen it no oh my god it's amazing He's really like, he he magnet like levitates a quarter through this dude's brain it's oh awesome. my god it's so good and it's a quarter that he had like is carried with him through the holocaust or something it's like this really so it had historical oh it's, it's good shit it's in a bar in the middle of nowhere it's awesome man. all right that's a good movie for that scene it's a it's a good movie but it's an x-men movie but anyway michael fassbender is good at killing nazis and recommendations for this week carrie and x-men x-men first, first class. class go see it there you go. <laughs> is that about all for this week no, no i have one last podcast. thing i want to touch Ooh, on what are we going to talk about the state of network tv shows Ooh. and i only have a few things to say about this but the reason is because i've been watching lots of live sports in the last few days Mostly because of the NBA being back, the NFL, watching a lot of football, watching a lot of baseball. So you see a lot of different commercials for a lot of different network TV shows that they're pushing. And let me tell you, they are making crappier and crappier shows. I have not watched like these types of shows since I was a kid with my parents. But whoever the hell they're making them for, like they have it down to a science. There was one that I saw that was called like Raid the Cage or something. And it's where they have this guy, like they just have like, they, they bring in a, a dude and they open this door that's like this room that's full of... It looks like the Deal or No Deal set. 
and then there's like this huge massive double door that slides open and on the inside there's like this room full of prizes or something it's like you know xboxes and like skateboards and like all this you know expensive shit and the the point the whole show is you get like two minutes in this room and whatever you can carry out you get to keep but if you take too long you get nothing oh wow that's it that's the whole show <laughs> that's the whole thing cool. then like who who's watching this like i don't understand who it's made for I like mean. it's the same people who make like you know the masked singer and like that show first of all the commercials that they've been running during the world series make you want to like tear your hair out then you have lego masters which i think it was was it will arnett who was hosting it it was someone who's way too talented to be doing it I, that was the thought that i had i don't remember who it was it that also it it looks like is it cake but with lego and also is it cake is another good example but that's a netflix vehicle but these shows are just getting more and more like dystopian in the like it's like uh it's like that that black mirror episode where they have like it's uh well, I was going to say, what was it? You like mentioned the 10 million merits. Oh, and like a 30 like, rock. It is. It's like yeah. Bitch Hunter. It's like the same type of stuff. Like, there's also the uh, the world's hardest challenge, like Celebrity Edition, which is where they just make celebrities do like military training, which, like, in general, that's really funny. Yeah, but that the is fact that it exists is fucking stupid. It's that's, like, that's kind of gas, actually. They, they might have been cooking with that, that one. one that is the closest to like, man, I might watch that just because that's really funny. But it's, I just, I makes you feel like the collective psyche of this country is just like just so stupid. <laughs> like, it's just so like bland and lame. And like, that's the culture that we now are known for is making shows where it's just like, here. Go take all the expensive stuff, have fun in the room, and then there's you know like the it feels like uh you ever seen those those booths where they put you in and then like money shoots up and you have to catch it yeah it's like that but as a TV show <laughs> it's like what are we doing it does feel like they're making faker and faker shows for boomers with like Hannity brain just I don't understand how this is now like where we are at with our cultural exports like at least like. American Idol was like about talent and it was like a huge I never watched it but I know it was you know like a massive cultural phenomenon or something because it was like hey we're gonna take this no one who would never have a shot to be famous and you'd never know who they were and we're gonna give them a massive stage and if they're talented enough they might get famous um like that not that you know fame is I think seen the same these days but like that's you know that was like a cool idea, but now it's just like, all right, build something out of Lego. <laughs> like it's the same thing that I was talking about a couple weeks ago with that Facebook like AI sludge I, that yeah. I was I was recommended. Like yeah. they know that sludge is yeah. the word for it. Like they know that people are so addicted to the screens at this point that they can just essentially put on whatever they want, and they know that like it's gonna get. S- some level it's of like Teletubbies engagement for so they can just like put a celebrity's name next to like whatever and it's yeah. guaranteed to turn like a modest profit I don't know it's, yeah it's, it's really sad it'll like, get a good rating because ratings are for the birds it's the, it was the same people telling their kids you're gonna get hooked on the tv and then it happened to them yeah it'll melt your brain yeah meanwhile I've been living in a video game world in ancient Greece and learning a lot about ancient Greece and, you know, history and stuff. And then they're watching Raid the Cage. (laughs) 
Are, are they all like pedophiles in the game or did they leave that part out? Actually, no, there's a lot of that and I'm not even kidding. Oh shit. Really? <laughs> like, yeah. There's like a lot of characters that are extremely like promiscuous and creepy and like, <laughs> oh, but are they like, like trying to fuck kids? Definitely like the undertone. Is they it, don't say the it directly. There's the implication for some of them. Yeah. Okay. But it's, it's not direct with a lot of it, but there is definitely like that. That exists. And, uh, you know, like the Spartans are all ridiculous and, you know, fucking, over aggressive and all these things it's really it's genuinely really interesting um, like and by bro- the way i'm playing a five-year-old video game and that's what i've been spending my time doing um ben this is a game that came out by the way a week before red dead 2 came out when we were in college and so i played it for like three days like not not total hours i played it for like a grand total of like over three days for like six hours and i was like this is not fun and then i haven't touched it since and now i'm like wait <laughs> this game's awesome Enjoy your pedophile simulator. No. <laughs> now it's the ancient Greece simulator. I'm a Spartan demigod. Nice. <laughs> no, I'm, it's been fun. I'm a hawk man with feet for hands and hands for feet. <laughs> they knew ratings. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week. This has been Mudville Podcast. I've been one of your hosts, Nolan Rabine. I'm Brody Staub. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.